guys from wherever they feel like it. It's Two Guys Watch a Movie! Who is your host? Two Guys! Hey everybody, welcome to Two Guys Watch a Movie, episode number 12! We are doing it. One dozen episodes. One dozen episodes. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us today on this wonderful movie podcast. I'm Jordan Ehrlich. I'm Tommy Quartz. And like I just said, this is our uh, podcast about movies and movie-related things. Tommy, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Uh, I'm going to the zoo tomorrow for the the first time in, like, I'm pretty sure uh, over a year. Lincoln Park Zoo. Lincoln Park Zoo, man. Awesome. Got the got our reservations for tomorrow. Uh, you have to make reservations for the zoo now. You do, yeah, because there's a limit to how many people they can let in the zoo. So sure. there's like, uh, it's a lot of tickets that they release. I, I saw it today. Like, I got my reservations for like 10 a.m. Yeah. and there were like 321 tickets like still available. Whenever okay. you know. At the time I got it, so yeah. yeah, it's just a matter of just like I mean, it's it's all about like keeping uh, things at capa- you know, below capacity. Sure. Because uh, yeah. we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, yeah. But yeah, very uh, very excited to go to the zoo uh, tomorrow. Uh, we'll say hi to any, uh, I guess, uh, penguins for me. <laughs> penguins should be there. Um, I believe there's a camel there who, no joke, I think is named Alexander Camelton. Oh, that's pretty good. I think they. I think he was born when you know, Hamilton had like the Chicago like production that was here yeah. for like I think a couple of years. It was here. I for saw a... it. Did you see it? I did see it. Oh, I loved. Uh, I loved Hamilton. It was, it was beautiful. It was amazing. It was yeah. It, it's one of those things because like Hamilton is definitely one of those things you listen to and you know it was. I mean, it was huge and still kind of is huge and like. Yeah. You, you would think that, like, it stands a good chance of, like, oh, the hype, it, it, like, it's not worth the hype, yeah. but then you, like, go and see it, and it's like... God, it was so, well, yeah, and it, I mean, it was different than I thought it was going to be. I didn't, I didn't really know the music going into it, just a couple of the songs, you know, I'd listened to the album maybe once or twice, but never, like, right. knew the songs, and then uh, it kind of takes a minute to get into, you know, and I was a little worried, it, like, you know, 15 minutes in, I was like, you know, oh, God, I'm not sure I'm going to... I'm feeling this necessarily, but then by like maybe a half hour in, 45 minutes in, I was like, oh my God, this yeah. is good. This is fast. <laughs> this is really awesome and really cool. And just like this flowing piece of art. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you approached it from, you know, that's how I usually approach a musical that I've never seen. If I know I'm going to see it. Like I remember, uh, with Hamilton, it was different with me because I had listened to the album so many times. Yeah, a lot of people had. Um, it's remarkable that you can get the full story of the play from just, like, listening to the album. Uh, yeah. So I did have that going. Usually, like, and I think it helped me a lot. Like, it obviously, it, you know, I knew what to expect going in. Uh, but, yeah, usually, no, usually when I uh, go see a like a, a musical though like i hold off on listening to the album if i've never listened to it before uh i did that with book of mormon and i think that that resulted like one of the best things i've ever seen on a, a stage is um the musical That's number J- joseph uh, joseph smith american moses 
Okay, I don't know if I know that one because I really have. I only know a few songs from Book of Mormon. I've never seen it. It's one of those things. That it's got to be the the. I mean, it's funny to listen to that one on the album, but yeah. just seeing it in person, it's just it's oh my god. Um, that and spooky more spooky Mormon hell dream is just a visual delight. It's a visual delight. Um, it's fun. That's a, that's one of my favorite musicals. I think. Yeah, I really want to see it. Um, I need to. That's that's one I would have hoped they would have taped, like, and then like. You know so. how I feel about you know how I feel about that. So well, I gotta ask then. What are your? Yes, I do know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are your? <laughs> as you articulated uh, in the last episode about. Uh, yeah. Film to plays. Yeah. I gotta ask though, and then uh, what are your what are your thoughts on the filmed version of Hamilton? Didn't watch it. You I didn't. It. Yeah, okay. I've heard it's really good though. I've heard it's better. Um, it's yeah yeah it's it's just there's an electricity being in a room full of people that you can't uh experience at home 100 percent. so like even if there's like an audience like clapping at the end or yeah. something like that yeah yeah it's still just it, the the electricity in the room is a major part of a theatrical production i think it is an integral part of the production and so for me watching it on tv has never been the same and like yeah for sure, yeah, one hundred percent agree. But I have uh, I haven't watched Hamilton. I should I I should give it a shot. I've I've heard it's actually really well done. They film it. They get some angles in there because I mean they filmed with the live audience, but then like yeah. I think like a couple of days after they did they taped like two shows or something like that to oh, get the okay. footage. Uh, but they got some angles in there that are like right on the stage, so you get like up close with a lot cool. of these scenes here. It's filmed in a way that feels very cinematic. Um, nice. So it's interesting. I'd be curious as to your thoughts on it, though. Um, yeah, I'll check it out. Um, if you get, if you ever get a chance, yeah. You, you can dare me to watch it, but I might not. Hey, speaking of which, don't we have some loose ends to tie we up? We do on? have some loose ends to tie up that we didn't get into in the uh, in the last episode. Uh, so first, as you mentioned, uh, we in, in so in episode ten, which was the the first the last episode before we kind of took this brief hiatus. We had a segment of I Dare You to Watch This Movie. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you. I double dare you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let the games begin. Whoa. And we dared each other to watch movies. Uh, and and you dared me to watch uh, The Man from Earth. And, uh, yeah. And I dared you to watch Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh-huh. And you definitely gave me the better movie. Let me just say that right now. Um, uh-huh. Having well, watched both. I liked Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band for the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, I thought it was just going to be the actual... Because it was all in order of Sgt. Pepper's, the album. Like every song in order. And I was like, oh, this is great. It'll tie up. Uh, you know, there might be a little more plot here, and then we'll have the last song. And I was like, oh no, we're going to keep going, and it's just going to... They did a bunch of other shit, and I was like, what is going on at this point? And what, how long <laughs> is this weird music video going to last? Uh, it, it's, and I, I feel, the Beatles. No, I... Oh, same, yeah. And I've seen this formula done before where they use, like, the music of the Beatles. I mean, Across the Universe, I still Across really... Across the Universe is great. Yeah. I really enjoy that one still, yeah. That holds I up agree. super well. Gosh, some of the music numbers in Across the Universe, uh, like Happiness is a Warm Gun, with oh. all the Selma Hayek's and the big you know, syringes and the, 
Yeah. Uh, it's it's remarkable. They their use of um I want you, she's so heavy oh, with like the imagery Statue of them. Of Liberty. Yeah, them carrying the oh, Statue of Liberty. It's so that good. interpretation, it's so good. It's so good. This one though, with Sgt. Peppers, it's like, yeah, it's 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 a lot. It becomes it's one movie and then it becomes another movie like thirty minutes later, and then thirty minutes later it becomes another movie. When it was the charming local town band i loved it <laughs> yeah no is that i think i knew exactly there's a moment where um george burns the the mayor of the town yeah. is like singing fixing a hole with those yeah. two little girls I from the shining that. and uh, i i think it was, it was at that point that i realized what kind of movie that was gonna be yeah. i was like okay but then yeah it, and then it all of a sudden the band becomes famous there's like drugs and alcohol and like did the, there, I forget what else, but some awful things. The main character gets roofied. <laughs> like, right, that's what I thought. <laughs> it's so, it gets dark with almost no tran- like proper transition into it. It's, it's just very sudden. And then a villain comes along and is trying to put robots in a town and like steal their <laughs> happiness. And... Right. Um, what year was this made, Sergeant Pepper? I want to say it was like seventy-eight. Yeah, I think. <laughs> so, like same years, it feels like the same year as Star Wars Holiday Special. It, yes, and I can confirm it was nineteen seventy-eight, which I think was the Star yeah, Wars Holiday year. Special. I'm pretty sure same year. So. Speaking of which, by the way, before I forget, um, we are one step closer now to getting the Star Wars Holiday Special on Disney Plus. Oh, really? So a few weeks ago. Uh, Disney Plus put out a whole bunch of classic Star Wars content. A lot of the, like, cartoons and some Ewok stuff. Oh, I saw that. I want to watch the Ewok cartoons badly. I Same. I haven't got around, I gotten to, around to it. But I really have still finished Clone Wars, and then I got to watch Rebels, and you know what's coming out May 4th? The Bad Batch. Yeah, and I want to watch that shit, too. Yeah. Some of the Clone Wars episodes are really good. Some of them I feel like I just need to fast forward through. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, sorry, we're off topic. No, 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 all good. It's all Star Wars. It's all amazing. Uh, like, but like I was saying, we're one step closer to getting the holiday special onto Disney Plus because one of the things that they put on there was the cartoon that plays during the holiday special. It's like a ten minute short. It was what introduced Boba Fett to the world. Yeah, the Boba Fett cartoon. And it, uh, it it's on Disney Plus now, so we're like one step closer to getting. Uh, Star Wars Holiday Special on there. Uh, uh, I'm excited about the Guardians of the Galaxy Heart Holiday Special. I totally forgot that was going to be a thing until you just mentioned. Oh my god, that's I know going to be gonna amazing. Be awesome. Yeah, it, and they said it was going to be a, a streaming thing. It is. Yeah, it's a Disney Plus thing. Um, speak. Um, but but to bring it back, we'll go into some more Disney Plus stuff in a bit because we got to talk Falcon and Winter Soldier. That is true. We have a couple more loose ends to tie up. Let's tie up uh, some loose ends first. The Man from Earth. What did you think? The Man from Earth, man. That was, um, it was really interesting. I mean, you kind of set me up for this movie as to kind of what it was going to be, uh, which was this very, like, it's a sci-fi movie without any special effects, basically. Yeah. Something that could have been written as a play. Yeah. It I mean, it, it basically all takes place over uh, one dinner party. In, like, one, lo- yeah, one location, pretty much. Like, it was really, really interesting. So, it's basically, so this is about a man who claims to be, what, 10,000 years old? Does he say, is it 10,000? I was thinking it was a few thousand, but yeah, I forget. It could have been, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, 
it was really fascinating and not a lot of uh not a lot of big names in it which i like except i believe uh the only one i recognized was Murray, uh, right? the guy from off tom from office space right right was in that movie he was the only one i recognized uh who's, who's that there? actor oh um i can give you his name in a sec uh tom his name is richard real okay um, who is He's the all... one who does the jump to conclusions map? Yes, yeah, that's Tom. It's a map with a bunch of <laughs> conclusions on it. <laughs> Love that movie. Yeah. Uh, but th- it was really good, though. It was really interesting. Had some interesting ideas. Kind of some controversial ideas. I could see, like, it... There's yeah. a lot of... Without saying too much, there's a lot of debate surrounding, like, Christianity... And yeah, religion and other religions too. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was fascinating, and yeah, this was a long time ago, so some details are a little fuzzy, but yeah, uh, I enjoyed. Interestingly it. enough, to be like, I almost buy that his his explanation. Yeah, like I and I think like it. They, I think they. It's implied at the very end of this that like he was telling the truth. Yeah, yeah or at least that's what. Like one character seems to think. At least personally. Uh, yeah, it's up to interpretation, I think. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. yeah. One other loose end we have to have on is yes. uh, flavical popcorn seasoning. We talked about your movie theater-esque popcorn seasoning. Yeah, and you get the right kind of buttery-flavored coconut oil, and you can make at home truly movie theater popcorn and and yeah and you had mentioned several episodes ago that you had bought this and you had not tasted it yet yeah i've done it a bunch of times now and it's amazing it really is movie theater popcorn oh man i i and i wholeheartedly regret not taking you up on that offer of popcorn when we we hung out uh we hung out this last uh this last weekend uh we're both fully vaccinated and we had we i came over to your place uh, we had an amazing dinner, and we and I regret not taking you up on your offer for popcorn. Well, that is uh, that is okay because I've got more. Like it comes in the smallest you know box you can get in is like for a movie theater <laughs> some right. kind of oh. popcorn. So oh. it's gonna last me a couple of years, I think. Yeah, you got. Uh... Like, it's hilarious. You use like a quarter teaspoon of this salt, and your whole kitchen will smell like the lobby of the movie theater and it like is the saltiest salt and so like i used too much the first couple times and it was like <laughs> our mouth was like fried up from oh sure too much, yeah too salty of popcorn but it was so good so don't go too hard on the salt mm-hmm. or if you think you need more you don't yes um, it's very good flavical flavical is the name of that weird that sounds like a Jerry Lewis uh, catchphrase. Little flavical. Flavical sounds like it sounds like a cough medicine, like a narcotic <laughs> strength cough medicine. Side uh, effects may uh, twenty five milligrams of flavical. Side effects may include uh, nostalgia and FOMO <laughs> with movie theaters. Yeah, okay. I gotta. I'll have to take you up on that. We did watch. Um, yeah, but yeah, I I regret not taking you up on that offer. We did get together this last weekend, and we watched uh, the new Mortal Kombat movie, which we will be talking about today uh-huh. on uh, HBO Max. And uh, before we uh, before we do that, uh, you want to see what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Let's see what's going on. Yeah. 
So, the only thing I really have for what's going on is uh, the Oscars was this last weekend, which... That's we, right. Yeah. Uh, neither of us watched. <laughs> I I mean, I'll be very honest with you. I watched the very beginning, um, oh, right. and I will say, neither of us paid full attention to it, because we were both playing an incredible uh, game of Star you. Wars Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful. Tommy is, uh, by the way, I don't know if... I'm, have we mentioned that you... You're uh, you've put together this group of us who in every every Sunday night we virtually get together and we play Star Wars Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Tommy is a game ma- the game master, and this is your first time as game master, and you're doing a phenomenal job. Let me just say that right up front. Thank you, thank you. I'm doing the, uh, the George Lucas approach. You know, it's like poetry; it rhymes. That's great. That's great. So it's going to get super convoluted with horrible dialogue in the next. Is it not play. already? We've. It feels like we've kind of capped off the first part of the series here. We just blew up a Death Star, a third Death yeah. Star, like a baby Death Star. It's like a, a baby little baby. Death Star. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was fun. I almost died. It's true. Uh, true. I almost died this last weekend. That was not good. Um, but. Uh, I, I bring that up because I was dipping kind of in and out of the, I'll be honest, I had the Oscars on in the background, uh, yeah. on mute. So I, but I didn't watch, I didn't watch that much of the ceremony though. Um, I did kind of get a sense of what they were going for this year though. So when they opened it up by doing, so S- Steven Soderbergh was one of the producers of the show this year and he's a well-known producer, director. Got a lot, a great love of movies. So what he did, it was, it felt like, at least how it started off, was it felt like this sort of homage to the movies and the movie making process. Uh, so when uh, Regina King opened up the show, uh, she did the first two awards, which was the screenplay awards because like everything starts with the screenplay. Okay. And that's how they kind of did it. Yeah. And then they did best actor at after what did they do at the end what happened well here's okay so here's the thing um they did this process where they're they they, it's kind of like the movie making process sure uh but the last that doesn't mean like the last three awards the they rearranged them in an order that just doesn't make any sense i have a theory as to why and i think it's the one that everybody's thinking so Usually they end with best picture. It's like that's the biggest oh, award they of the did night. Best actor, right? They yeah, best picture was the third to last of the night. Um, and with, then actor and actress. They did. Then they did actress, uh, which uh, Frances McDormand won. <laughs> I'm sorry. God <laughs> bless you, Tommy. <laughs> God bless you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Frances McDormand won. That's okay. her third Oscar now. I'm she's, allergic to that. She's allergic to... I won't bring up Meryl Streep then. She's also really? got... <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's got three three Oscars now for Best Actress, though. That's I amazing. Yeah, and I, call, I called her Meryl Streep last time. You did! And now she kind of is a little more. She's in that same mm-hmm. club now. Good for her. I, I'm happy about yeah, that. Yeah, no, me too. She's amazing. I yeah. should still watch Nomadland. And her acceptance speech was only... They had no time limits with acceptance speeches this year, by the way, as I found out later. I heard that. I found out later. I was like, wait, why are these so long? And then it's like, oh, they didn't... Yeah. But yeah, it was great. She she kept her acceptance speech uh, short and sweet, and I really like that. Uh, And I think she doesn't give a shit about these kinds of things, and I think she... uh, 
And I, I, I respect that. Yeah. But this was the most, like, you know, I watched the end of the show. I did watch the end of the show because we, after our game, like, they were still going on because uh, it's a long-ass show. Yeah. And... No time limits. Yeah, no, really. Um, best actor was the very last category of the night. And it was definitely... It feels like it was definitely positioned this way because... The academy, the, the producers, I would imagine, thought that Chadwick Boseman was going yeah. to win. Yeah. And it didn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> I Anthony Hopkins won for The Father, who I believe is like the oldest Oscar winner now. Maybe. Ooh. Or oldest, uh, it's something like oldest acting, oldest person to win an acting award or something like that. <laughs> but Anthony Hopkins won for The Father. He wasn't at any... They had, like, hubs around the world you could have gone to. There was, like, a strict no-Zoom policy for this. Okay. He didn't go to any of the hubs, so he wasn't present at this thing. (laughs) And it's just Joaquin Phoenix just standing up there saying, (laughs) the the Academy accepts this award on his behalf and congratulates Mr. Hopkins, and it's Joaquin Phoenix, and he doesn't want to be there. Um... (laughs) Yeah. And then it just cuts, the music starts, and Questlove was the um, the music director this year. It was him uh-huh. up at a, like a DJ spot, which I thought was cool. Keep yeah. things simple. It's just Questlove saying, hey, thank you for watching the Oscars. Good night. And, <laughs> and it's over. <laughs> it's just over. Oh my god, that's weird. That's awful. I saw in one review, read, it was the worst ending to a TV <laughs> show since Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, it was so... so anticlimactic though um it's not great it's not a great look but what what are you gonna do um good for anthony i didn't i mean i haven't seen the father it was one of the ones i didn't watch so i heard he was very good yeah everybody i know who said it said it was really good and this wasn't like necessarily a snub yeah so. and, and uh chadrick boseman's family said it wasn't a snub I saw that. And then, you know, Anthony Hopkins, I didn't realize Anthony Hopkins is very social media savvy. He's got like an Instagram and a huh. Facebook page. I did uh, not know that. <laughs> I know, Yeah, right? Um, but I, he posted a video the next day, you know, it was an, basically an homage to uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And oh, that's sweet. Just like a thank you for the Oscar, um, remembrance of him. Like, it was really nice. Um, he seems like a genuinely great guy. I love Anthony Hopkins. Nice. Um, I uh, I auditioned once for a movie starring Anthony Hopkins. Really? When I was twelve. Whoa! Tell me, I have it's yeah. a movie called Hearts in Hearts in Atlantis. I've heard of that movie. I have not seen it. I think it's a Stephen King book. I was about uh, to yeah. I was about to say it, yeah. it didn't do very well. The, there's like a little boy character in there, and I I got like two maybe three auditions. Uh, oh wow! Yeah. Uh, and then I auditioned for his stand-in too, and didn't get that either. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's uh, okay. You get the you get to audition for a movie. That's awesome. I yeah. once got to watch a movie with Anthony Hopkins. No, oh my gosh! I right. have to. Okay, well, it's not like I was like sitting right next to him and we were like oh, okay, sharing sure. raisinets or anything. So Did I don't he know have if I've ever, I don't know if I ever told you this, but through a connection that Gabby knows. Um, we got to get tickets to the premiere of Transformers The Last Night. 
I think you might have told me this before, but yeah. Maybe. Going. So we got to go. It was the U.S. premiere. I think it already had its world premiere uh, somewhere in Asia, I think. Uh, or London. I forget. But we went to the U.S. premiere. It was at the Lyric Opera House. Uh, nice. It was an IMAX. They showed IMAX. So I watched an IMAX movie in an opera house. It was really weird. <laughs> um, but the whole, like, but the cast and crew were there. And they, like, came out oh. before the, the movie started. So, like, Michael Bay was there. Mark Wahlberg. Uh, cool. I'm trying to remember any other actors. I forget if Josh Duhamel might have been there. And, but Anthony Hopkins was there. And you're never sure during a premiere if, you know, if the, the actors are, like, watching the movie or if they're just, like, they've done their duties and now they're they're gone. Yeah. But a few days later, I saw Anthony Hopkins on, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel, and he talked about how he had, he was on there promoting the movie, and he said that he had seen it at the, at the U.S. premiere, and I think that was the first time he watched it. So I can confirm that I watched an IMAX movie in an opera house with Sir Anthony Hopkins. Nice. That's pretty awesome. That is my Anthony Hopkins experience. <laughs> I would have been nervous he was going to eat my liver. Uh, with some fava, fava beans, beans and uh, a nice, nice PBR? I don't yeah. know. Do they have Chianti at the... they got to have Chianti at the opera, right? I'm sure they have Chianti. Okay. But he'd, he'd mispronounce it. Did he mispronounce it? Well, he says, like, Chianti, and it's Chianti or something, and people get on... I don't know. Uh, um, they, get all, we... they get all... They get all... <laughs> that was that was good. That was Thank really you. good. It was one of the best times I've ever done it. That was good. Uh, <laughs> should we talk? Should we talk Captain Falcon and the Winter Bucky? Yes. Um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yes, because we already talked about the first five episodes. We did. We did. Um, my God, what a fantastic. Uh, storyline for sam wilson my god um i i think i talked something i didn't mention on the last show was i'm really enjoying the shit i really enjoyed the shit out of falcon and the winter soldier yeah i'm it's not perfect like i'm I'm not a fan of the flag smashers like there was agreed agreed yeah i think there was it just wasn't as like set up well enough or something it felt like strange every time we went to the flag smashers i always kind of felt like wait What's going on with them again? What do they want again? Yeah, like, what are they trying to do? And what's Carly's... Carly starts off as kind of like... You you start to see where she's driven to this. She's sympathetic for three episodes and four episodes. And and then they just make her evil. (laughs) It's almost... Like, almost out of nowhere. It's like, this is the only way they'll listen. And that's kind of her thing for up and after that point. So, yeah. uh, Obviously... We're talking spoilers here because we're already talking the last. Episode, I would hope, so, yeah. Uh, but no. anyway, uh, yeah. there's this YouTuber I love, Nando V Movies. Yes, uh, and he did a really awesome uh, fix for Falcon and Winter Soldier, where he basically, in episode four, John Walker kills Carly, and then George Saint Pierre's character takes over. Okay, uh, and since he's be like but like they're sympathetic up until that point you know right so like he establishes carly as like a person who like robs from the rich and gives to the poor and like makes her like a you know like that bank robbery scene like the robbery scene at the beginning is a bank robbery and he like then it shows her like giving money to refugees yeah i think it's a really great fix uh okay but yeah i thought uh it was like it, it really handled a lot of things well 
I yeah, it it really like overall the show was a huge success. Like I'm I don't want to say nitpicking, but maybe one step below nitpicking with this like yeah talks of uh, racism and policing the way they were able to like integrate the blip although yeah although it, I, i'm a little convinced by this nando guy again because he he basically says like there's a bunch of terrible problems there are actually like actually a bunch of refugees already so we don't need to create a fake problem for refugees right you could just have it be regular old refugees <laughs> The thing that I appreciate, yeah, the thing I appreciate about this show is, like, with, you know, after the blip happened, like, Spider-Man Far From Home was the first movie after Endgame, and that that was the movie, it, it took this kind of, like, comedic, and I know it took, yeah. like, I think it took place, like, eight months or something like that after Endgame. Yeah. It took this very comedic but the look only, at yeah, what happened. The, everything that happened in the blip in Far From Home was, like, yeah, was just for a joke. Yeah. Um, with... This show, and and also WandaVision to a certain extent, like, it really takes this look at, like, how that affected people, like, for five years without these people, and then the blip happens, and then all of a sudden there's all these people, and it's like, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just, like, the psychological trauma that comes as a result of that is really interesting to look at with this. Um, and that it does create these problems, uh, especially, like, with refugees in... in in this this particular TV show. Uh, I have a few uh, cool notes or just uh, fun things I read. Yeah. Um, you know that scene where uh, Bucky is, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode or not. I, I think I might have. But of, uh, where Bucky is like repairing something with his metal arm. Yes. Or with his non-metal arm. And Sam is like, why don't you use your robot arm? <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, I forget I have it sometimes. I think uh, someone online I saw said that might be a representation of privilege. Ooh. So he has this metal arm. He doesn't even think about using it. He forgets he even has it. Oh, uh, when, my when other people notice, that's the first thing they see about him. That fits so well into this idea. And especially, we didn't, and I don't think we really talked about this in episode five. Throughout the, the most of the series, Bucky is very like angry at Sam for giving up the Captain America mantle. Yeah. But if you look, I mean, throughout the course of the, those first episodes, it takes this look at like the, the, the potential stigma with some people that would surround a black man becoming Captain America. And Mm -hmm. it's something that Bucky and both Bucky and Steve Rogers as well, like coming from the era that they do, like they can't really comprehend this because there's, so yeah. new to this particular time. By the way, I find it fascinating, and it's gr- it's great that people are just as racist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as they are in ours. Like, yeah, yeah, it's interesting nice? to see that. I always <laughs> wanted to see. No, I just think this would be. So, Bucky has been alive the whole time, so he he's sort of grown with the times. I would imagine, but I've I've always wanted to see the first few weeks that Steve was unfrozen, uh, <laughs> where he's just saying awful things. Oh my! You know, all oh the time. No. And it's like, no, 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 we can't say that. Don't oh, say no. that now. You know, just like the way your grandparents do sometimes. Like, oh no, no. I want to believe that he never said those to begin with, but I. Oh, oh you know no. he did. Oh boy, he had to live through. I think we've talked about this previously. We're like, when he goes back in the end of Endgame, he goes back to live with Peggy. Like he's gonna live through the civil rights era now. Yeah, like, right. So, uh, yeah. Oh man. Um but I thought but it handles that 
I love that, like, Bucky realizes that, like, how much weight that carries for yeah. Sam. And he apologizes in the fifth episode. Like, I, he's just like, hey, I did, you know what? I didn't know. And I am so sorry for that. That is my fault. Like, the show did an absolutely great job of making thorough, deep characters out of what have been pretty flat minor characters. Yeah. Especially Bucky. Uh, but also, Sam, I mean, Sam has always been just sort of like good guy too, but seeing him in his therapy, uh, like session scenes. Yeah. Like that's when Anthony Mackie is shining. I think the most too. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I said, yeah. And, um, I got, I don't know if I've mentioned the, um, the scene at the beginning of episode four with, uh, Bucky and uh, Ao in Wakanda, where they're like testing his Winter Soldier programming, and like it's the first time that he doesn't like go into Winter Soldier mode, and like yeah. Sebastian Stan, I gotta give him major props for that scene. Like it was, I remember Gabby and I were in tears watching that. Like yeah, it's so good, it's so well acted. Yeah, um, well yeah, I always love uh, whenever. That see it happens in Winter Soldier or or whatever. But I always love keeping random words: mattress, biscuits, <laughs> Chinese, oh, no. pancakes, fourteen, twenty sided die. <laughs> yeah, just uh, random words. C three PO. Okay, let's talk about John Walker. John Walker, man, I am digging his character arc. He's not like I I, I loved that he. He ends up. He kind of comes to his senses at the end, and yeah, I don't like the redemption arc. It's, I'll say it. It's not so. I feel like it's not so much redemption as it is like you get a pass this time. Because I remember yeah. at the end, like Bucky's like he he gives like a qu- quote. John Walker gives like a quote. And he's walking away with Bucky later, and it's like Bucky's just like, "Really, you said that?" And he's like, "Yeah, was, Abraham Lincoln said that. It was a great quote." And then Bucky's like, "Not coming from you." Um, <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely this still this like animosity. It's like you're not getting a well, break here, kind of. So I need to go back and watch more scenes. But uh, I started picking up on that John Walker talks like a cop. Oh, there's a scene in particular, and it's those bullshit little lines that cops say to you. But there's one scene where uh, it's before he's fighting with the uh, what are the Wakandan like priestesses called? Uh, the Dora Milaje. The Dormelage, yeah. Uh, it's before he fights them, and he says, there's two ways this conversation can go. Oh, man. And how many times have you heard, like, a stupid pissed-off cop, you know, come up and say, and, you know, somebody's already getting pissed off at the cop, and he goes, there's two ways this conversation oh, can go. Oh, man. It's, you know, yeah, which and basically I, means, listen to me, or I'll kill you. And it, I get a sense of that, like, it's that cadence, too, when he's, like, with... When Sam has that great scene with Carly where he's trying to talk her down uh, or try to convince her to end her crusade and then he comes in and he's got this cadence like, you're under arrest for... And it's this very yeah. like soldiery, yeah, like this cop kind of cadence, this kind of way of handling it. And it, it's, yeah, I can't believe I well, didn't hear that before. And I think, yeah, when I think then that culminates in him killing, uh, you know, someone in front of a bunch of cameras oh my god yeah so he's very obviously a cop so i don't love his redemption story and i don't uh, he, yeah I, you can kind of see though like i think they're setting him up as a villain maybe i think would be interesting but i don't know 
I got some thoughts on that. I do, do you know want... anything about U.S. Agent, the comic book character? Uh, other than only that uh, John Walker becomes U.S. Agent. Um, I do, before I go into that, I will say, like, I did love that speech that he has. And this is how great the writing is. Like, you can still hate this guy, but he's still such a well-written character. Oh, yeah. He ta- how he, like, talks to that panel in episode five about, like, how the American government made him do things. And, like, there's a reference when he's talking to... Um, his uh, his buddy uh, Lamar, that is yeah, it? yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Lamar in that train station is like the things we had to do in Afghanistan. I was like, which yeah, we haven't heard like, about. But yeah, I was wondering too. It was interesting too. I was wondering like because I know when they use like U.S. Air Force like airplanes and shit in scenes in the Marvel movies, like the U.S. Army has to sign off on on like a lot of content. Sure. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting to. Wonder. Yeah. I wonder if they did or didn't. But you can kind of, yeah. But you can kind of see like how his country has like let him down. Yeah. And I guess maybe in a way he's like trying to make it better. But he's, I mean, he's clearly the wrong fit for the role of Captain America, though. Um, well, yeah. I mean, so it's interesting too. John Walker is the, you know, there's there's sort of a couple ways of thinking of American history, and neither I don't think is correct. These are just sort of two wide paradigms, but like. Uh, you know, there's the, what you were taught in third grade U.S. history class that America's the best and anytime something yeah. has gone wrong, we've immediately fixed it for human rights. Uh, yeah. and, and that's kind of the Captain America vision of the world to me. Uh, and then there's John Walker, which is sort of the way America really is as a neo-colonial power, as a, uh, you know... Yeah, uh, ex- exploiter of poorer countries. Yeah, uh, warmonger, etc. And to segue into why Sam Wilson is like going to be the amazing, an amazing Captain America. Towards the end of the episode, he's giving that speech. He's representative of like he wants to make America better. Yeah, um, and he's giving that speech at the end of those senators about how like the world isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. And like how horrible they are treating these refugees, and that they can be better, that America can be better. So it's this like desire to help America, but also the acknowledgement that it's not perfect. Yeah, I think it's good stuff. It's, I think that la- his speech at the end is is pretty good. It's it's an incredibly like it's a Sam twist on a classic like Captain America type of speech, and I love yeah. that. Yeah, totally. um, it was great. I wish they had shown um, Bucky's like full conversation with the man whose son he had killed as Winter Soldier, because um, they kind of cut away from that, and I would have loved. Oh yeah, that. I know. Yeah, I wanted to be as uncomfortable watching I that did too. As, yeah, like I wanted to be uncomfortable watching that. I was like emotionally like pre- prepping myself for. Yeah, I know that, and I didn't get it. Um, and in the, in the last thing I've got to say, I mean, on the subject of U.S. agent and what his future oh, plans might be. Yeah. So they introduced uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus as uh, the Contessa Fontaine, who's sort of like a darker version of Nick Fury. Uh, um, sure. And she puts together this group, I think, called the Thunderbolts. Right. Yeah. Um, and then eventually the Dark Avengers. They're pretty much like, yeah, like Dark Avengers, I think. And there's some members uh, who I think have either already appeared or will appear in the MCU who are members, yeah. who, who have been like members of this, you know, it's a comic yeah. book team. There's going to be a million members at different times. Yeah. Um, but U.S. Agent is one of those. And 
She specifically calls him, like, yeah, U.S. agent at the end. Yeah, interesting. Um, which he seems very... Him and his um, significant other seem very excited to be uh, anti-heroes. Yeah, let me also <laughs> say, too, uh, MCU, quit trying to make Sharon Carter happen. Sharon oh my, Carter is never going to happen. I didn't even get to Sharon Carter... By the way, I called that shit in um, episode five. Um, okay. my, my, well, Aaron called it in episode two or some shit. I, that's I right, yeah. She called it so early, I was like, what? How do you... And she's like, yep. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know where it's gonna go. We'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was... I was a little disappointed that that was the credit scene that we got, or I guess the only credit scene that we got. Yeah. But yeah, man. Uh, solid show, though, man. Marvel, for their, they're Very knocking good. it out of the park. Yeah, honestly, maybe better than... A handful of the movies. I mean, yeah, definitely better than a handful of the movies. I'd rank oh, in the middle, middle high. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, I can't wait to see. I could do another season of that show. Yeah, and it sounds like you're saying based on the nominations for Emmys, they might do another season. They might. I've also heard rumblings that maybe he's getting his own Captain America movie. Yeah, I've heard that too. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I would be down for either one of those, man. Right. Cool. Mortal Kombat. Oh my god. Um, so we watched the new Mortal Kombat movie, uh, this last weekend. Oh yeah. And... It was exactly, I thought, like, we'll be going into spoilers, by the way, so just be warned, we're probably gonna... Yeah. I thought it was totally boring. <laughs> it it was very different from how I thought it... I got, I'll be honest, I, I well, I think I might have enjoyed it a little more than, than you did, but not too much, because it... I went in with very low expectations. I wanted fight scenes, and I wanted a whole lot of bloody gore. Um, well, which I got. I, I, the first seven minutes was the best part of the movie, which is funny because it's like what they released early. Right, like, right. Shit, this might be okay. And I was like, this is interesting. And then, like, a lot of it never came back. The whole Chinese, Japanese change in, uh, change in language thing. Right, right, yeah. Is that a cultural thing? I don't necessarily I, understand. They never, like, they never say. It's literally, it's really just like, yeah. we're just doing this, yeah. But they also, what what really killed me about the movie overall was the fact that they're like, the tournament. The tournament. Yeah, okay, the tournament. Yeah. And obviously, you never get to the fucking tournament. They set this whole, this whole movie is like building up to like, which is, by the way, more on this later, but... I watched the 1995 Mortal Kombat movie for the first time today. Um, I, I rewatched it just uh, just before I recorded here. Very nice. Um, but that movie deals with the turn. It's all about this and just a little bit about our background with the video game. For me personally, I I think I may have played the video game a little bit, but my knowledge of Mortal Kombat is like very was very limited before watching this. Well, when we talk about the 1995, I'll talk about a little more about my experience. But okay. I played. I played the first Mortal Kombat on Sega Genesis all the time. Uh, oh, okay. And so I'm super familiar, and I've played most, I've played Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 4, and then like a handful of other ones, uh, probably like four or five other ones. Um, and I watched the movie all the time as a kid, 
But like, when Mortal Kombat first came out, I think this is one of the things that the 1995 movie really missed. Sorry, I tried. Uh, it was that the video game was popular because it was horrifically violent. Yes. Yeah. And it like, that was the thing about it. And like, so I mean, I have a memory of playing Mortal Kombat on Sega with one of, like my mom and dad had friends over and like they had a kid who was like around my age. Uh, but like we, we weren't friends, but like I was like, hey, let's go play Sega. And like we did. And he was like, you have Mortal Kombat? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God. <gasps> oh, that's and like great. he lost his mind and like that's all he played. And he was like, but if my mom comes up, we have to take this out and put Sonic in. Because like, like I am not allowed to play Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh man, but he had the game. Well, so we had it. Oh, we I were see. In my okay. house. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah. So he like, it, but that's the kind of game it was that like parents knew oh, about sure. it. That it was you remember like it was oh just, yeah, yeah. Like, my um when I go to the my, the game that was like that for me was um, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Like my yeah. friend had a PlayStation, and I would go to his place and like uh, I don't think my I don't know that my parents would have cared either way. I don't know. Yeah, but, I, yeah, I did the that same was like thing with GTA. Me. The first time I played GTA at a friend's house, I was like, oh, this is <laughs> ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, you can blow somebody's head off with a sniper <laughs> right? Like, it, just yeah. the insane, insane violence is just something like I hadn't seen yeah. in a game before. I was like, whoa. My 10-year-old self was like, what yeah. is, yeah. It's yeah. Not, and this movie, I mean, on the subject of the violence of the video game, like, the thing that they got right with this movie was this movie is like at times horrifically bloody and violent and they're doing this shit for real. Like it looks like blood packs and like real special effects and like you can see like the blood like leaking. it looks really good. Yeah, the effects uh, for the gore and violence were really solid. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. I do love, I can't get over that moment in the movie and they show it in the trailer where Sub-Zero like cuts the guy, the blood comes out <laughs> and, and he freezes the, the blood, blood into like a <laughs> bloody like sharp icicle, icicle yeah. and stabs him with it. Yeah. It's <laughs> so nuts. Yeah. So a lot of the references, a lot of the violence in, in the 2021 Mortal Kombat is direct references to the very first video game. The one that I had on Sega. Oh, okay. Uh, so, like, the fatality for Kano is that he rips uh, the other his opponent's heart out. And so he ripped out uh, Cabal's heart in... Is uh, that how you pronounce it? That was the robot who you don't think is going to have a filthy mouth, but then he has, a, like, a filthy mouth. Yeah. Yeah, and he also has a heart made of, like, black rubber. I get... I remember, <laughs> like, I'd never seen him before. Like, so I see him, like, walk up. I kind of assume he's going to be, like, a Danger Will Robinson kind of robot. And then he has this, like, what, New York accent? Or Boston's like... I think he was a human that had been, like, bionic guys or something. Okay. There's another robot in Mortal Kombat called Cyrax, and I think he does have, like, a robot voice. But, oh, okay. uh... It was the last voice I would have expected to come out of that being. Yeah. Uh, what other, oh yeah, so like Scorpion's Fatality, he does it in both movies, uh, is where he takes his mask off and breathes fire. He does that in the 1995 one too, except he's like a skeleton and they're fighting in what I believe, isn't it called the Netherworld or something? Like there's... Uh, yeah, like the Netherrealm or something. Yeah, there's like different realms. Yeah. Um, and just to segue into the plot of the movie there with all these realms, so the plot of this movie is, 
or and I guess the plot don't of Mortal die Kombat. before the tournament, huh? Don't die before the tournament. Well, That's there's the a lot of that. this movie. There's a lot but of this bigger, movie. But, but the next four movies plot will be don't lose the tournament <laughs> or Shao Kahn gets to take over the earth. Oh my God. Like, yeah, no, like, um, but so just to, it builds up to this, like the, so the plot, it, it all these realms come together. I guess it was a once a year. For this big tournament called Mortal no, Kombat. No, it's like every it's like every hundred years, or it's like every some odd years, because it would have okay. been since I I think someone did the math on it, and it was like the year would have been seventeen twenty five or something when the first tournament happened. Which I think would make sense because I think the opening uh, seven minutes kind of occurred. Yeah, like sixteen nineteen. Yeah, 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 like, like sixteen hundred. Yeah, around that time period. That makes sense. Um, but. The, the, if the Earth loses, which is called what the the other realm or something, the odd out realm, outer realm maybe. It, it, so Earth the, is Earth realm yes. or something, but the then there's out the out realm. Out, I outer think, realm something. Is, I think it's out realm is trying to outworld. I don't. Yeah, outworld is trying to kill Earth because they're yeah. dicks. <laughs> because they obviously want to get their hands on that sweet. Sweet Bitcoin. Unobtainium. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but if the Earth loses one more tournament, then I guess, what is it? A portal opens up and the outer world will take over Earth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they have to win. And it's building up to this big training. They're gathering some people and it's this big, tra- builds up to this big training. And the tournament never happens. Yeah. That's but- it. That's the movie. And I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say I much prefer having rewatched it. I much prefer the '95 movie. There are certain elements I think of the so the '95 movie was exactly what I expected. Obviously not as violent, but oh yeah. Well, so they they that's one of my my facts is that the here I'll go ahead and give you a fun fact yes. about the '95 movie. The producers had to frequently consult the ratings board to find out how much cursing and how much blood there could be in order to make it violent enough for the target audience, yet still carry a PG-13 rating mandated by the studio. There was virtually, like, no bloody violence in that. The bloodiest thing I could think of was this fight that, um, I think Johnny Cage has with Scorpion in the Netherworld, which... Yeah. He's a skeleton. They get around that by, because he's a skeleton. But yeah. They, like, they slice him open, and you see, like, something pouring out, but it, like, looks like lava. Yeah, it's and, like this orange. <laughs> and he slices the dude's, like, head, like, like yeah. the top of his head is sliced off. And you see something pour out, but it looks like lava. And you get over that with the sensors because it's a skeleton and so not an actual This is exactly head. right. Yeah, so they found out that monster deaths on screen are okay for PG-13. Uh, but human deaths on th- on screen make it a R rating. That, it, it makes sense. It's not Mortal. It's not Mortal Kombat. I don't know. Well, it doesn't seem I, I like agree. it would be. Well, I think. I think that's one of the ways it really doesn't live up to the essence of what the source material is. Sure. Yeah. It. I mean, the, I appreciate the '95 movie for what it is, and well, I just. Wa- I think it captures the essence of Mortal Kombat so much better than the new one. <clears throat> it feels more the like a video game. Yeah. Yeah, it feels much more like a video game, but it's also like, if you've played Mortal Kombat since the beginning it's gone from like kind of silly action movie vibe to like just fucking ridiculous like the fatalities now in the games like they show spines being shattered under x-ray as you like smash someone from the back and like Ooh. it's like the most 
aggressive, like it's it's hilarious because it's because it's so 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 over the top oh that it's God. like way beyond anything. Like, and that's the whole point. And this, uh, yeah. And this movie gets a little (laughs) over the top. The one that I keep coming back to is when what's her name gets like the, her, she gets like sliced in half. Yeah. And like all her guts and everything just come on. I apologize uh, to anybody listening who's getting like violently queasy uh, listening to us talk about this violence, but it's such a huge part of the, the, of the game. Yeah. Like that's. Yeah. No, I think I, so in a lot of ways, yeah, it, it captures the violence of the game but other than that it misses the vibe i think it's not as fun like the 95 movie definitely seems like they're having more fun it's like more okay, of a fun well, here, think about this the violence in kill bill volume one yes versus the violence in mortal Kombat. i think they're almost equal with the amount of blood and guts and shit well i think kill bill knows that it's over the top and it's like yeah i want it to be a little more aware of how over the top it is. And it didn't seem, and I think it was like when the bloody violence happened, it was really bloody, but like, it wasn't like a frequent thing. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, thing that I found hilarious about the 95 movie was like, you see Jack. So Jax is a big part of the, the, the 2021, uh, yeah. Mortal Kombat movie. And in the 95 movie, he's Sonya Blade's partner who you see for about, one minute, and seconds. Then, who I had imagined is kind of a, is he kind of a big character in the video game? Yeah, he's been in it since Mortal Kombat two, I think. So okay, but, pretty uh, much like yeah. There's the original like eight characters, which are you know the most important, and then there's like but like the earlier they were in video games, the more important they are basically. Right. So you get like Johnny Cage and uh, Liu, Liu Kang. Yep, uh, both of them are original OG. Yeah, and I, I mean, I was surprised that like you see Jax for a minute at the beginning, and then he's gone. And it was this sort of repurposing where like it was really it reminded me of the Street Fighter movie in a way uh, of of this like they're taking these characters from this video game that doesn't really have a lot of like I don't remember the old games having a lot of plot to them. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the um, not at all. Okay, so. But so it's this repurposing of these characters from this game to where they're like, they didn't have a background, but we're going to give them one. And like Sonya Blade and Jax are cops. Sort of yeah. like special forces. Oh, they, they give them, some of the characters have backgrounds, uh, but there's no plot to like the story of why they're fighting. Right. Um, in the first few games, at least. Okay. Then there is later and it, it's awful. Right. But it's that <laughs> idea with like video game adaptations in the 90s of like, Street Fighter did the same thing where they kind of took these characters that didn't really have much background or a story yeah. to them. And they're like repurposing. So like Guile is like a soldier for the army now and like uh, Zangief is like a henchman for the villain. What's funny like, is like I guess there's just a, a limited, some paragraph somewhere about what Mortal Kombat's about and both this movie and the 95 we're like, that's what it has to be about. It has to be, there's been nine out of ten tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> and the tenth tournament happens, whatever. <laughs> yeah. It, no, it is, yeah. Um, I was happy to see, not a lot of big names in the, uh, I guess in both versions, but like, thinking back to the 95 version, I enjoyed seeing um, Bridget Bridget Wilson as uh, oh, yeah. Sonya Blade, because I love yeah. Billy Madison. Veronica Vaughn. So I've got yes. a fun, do you want to hear a fun fact about I would Billy love Madison? Hear, I would love to hear okay. a Billy Madison so, fun fact. Bridget Wilson, now Bridget Wilson Sampras, yes, 
had read and auditioned for the part of Sonya Blade several times, but uh, due to the long casting process, she chose to do Billy Madison instead. Christina Applegate was also considered for the role, but Cameron Diaz was cast after the producers saw her uh, from dailies from The Mask. Really? However, Diaz broke her wrist during training just before filming. Oh, no! But filming on Billy Madison had just wrapped, making Wilson available again. She happily took the role, even if it meant she had to be flown to set the day after Billy Madison wrapped the next day. Wow. And had to train for big fight scenes between shooting the rest of the movie. She had a better character arc. Her character arc is, and Sonya Blade's character arc is pretty much the same, I think, in both versions of this, where she's... She, her and Kano are pretty much... By the way, I love the guy who played Kano in the, the new movie. Oh, yeah. He's so he's good. The only, he's maybe the only good part of the movie, and he's, he's good. like a dick. <laughs> he's so funny. He's so good uh, being a dick. Um, yeah. But it's pretty much like her art character arc is pretty much the same in both movies. Whereas with, with this new movie where where she... Their arc takes place pretty much over the whole movie... It feels like in the 95 version, her character arc is kind of over when the movie's like halfway. She kills Kano halfway. I checked the timestamp. It's like halfway through the 95 version, her character arc is completed. And then she (laughs) kind of becomes like a damsel in distress a little bit. Like, she's just done fighting. They do her hair up at the end. I didn't like that. I didn't either, yeah. Uh... Because I loved it. And I thought Bridget Wilson did a great job. Well, she's amazing. More, another fun fact about her, she performed all of her own stunts. Wow, okay. Uh, Love actually, it. Actually, a, a lot of the actors uh, did uh, refuse stunt doubles on multiple scenes. It she dislocated like it. her shoulder during one scene. Uh, they were able to fix it on set without any recurrence. And I think that's the most... Oh, that's great. That's great. It looked like they were doing a lot of their own work here. And... I will say the great thing about, like, both of these movies that I loved, like, it's always, it unless you fuck up fight choreography and shooting fight choreography horribly, like, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to mess it up. Well, but, guess what? I got a fun fact for you. Ooh, I love fun facts. Yes. Okay, so Paul uh, W.S. Anderson had no experience filming fight scenes prior to this movie. Oh. So he shot the first fight sequence in a wide, continuous shot. Uh, after multiple takes, the actors were completely exhausted. So Robin Shu, Liu Kang, yes. uh, told Anderson the secret of the trade, that wide shots were generally only used for a few seconds, and the rest of the scene is usually filmed as a series of close-up short shots. Uh, filming huh. for the fight scenes became easier after Anderson realized his mistake. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, um, all right, let's talk about the character of Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage, who... Is in the 95 version, but is only alluded to at the end of the new one where uh, Cole Young, by the way, Cole Young, a completely original character created for this movie, who is the descendant of Hanzo Hasashi, who was a scorpion. Sure. Um, He is about to go off because they didn't do the fucking tournament in this movie that they've been they were building up towards for the entire movie. Uh, he goes off to find more contestants for the tournament uh, for their team. He mentions he's going to go to Hollywood and you see a poster that reads Johnny Cage is going to be in a fight, uh, which is very much like they're going to do a sequel or they want to do a sequel. So we're going to use that moment in this movie to segue into another segment of this show called questions. Questions. <laughs> 
So, the question that I have for you today, Tommy, is who would you like to see be cast as Johnny Cage in a Mortal Kombat sequel? Okay, I got a good answer. I thought about this. I like that. My answer is Dacre Montgomery. That's the guy from... That is Billy from Stranger Things, am I right? Yes, it is Billy from Stranger Things Season 3. Okay. <laughs> it's I a weird one, but I think he could pull it off, you know? I could he's see hot. that... He's hot. Yeah, well, you gotta he's go... He's got a tight bod. Yeah. You gotta go with, like, action stars who can also do, like... Yeah, you wanted know, to just, be like funny, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I was actually my literally my first thought was like someone way too pretty, you know, like someone with like a out of face that didn't look like they would fight, you know. Uh huh. So really, my first thought was like Zac Efron, but I've, he's yeah too pretty. So Dacre Montgomery is practically identical, but just slightly less pretty. I have not. I, how have I not noticed that before? They right, do look very identical. similar. Yeah. yeah. Wow. How about you? Who would you cast? I'm gonna cast it. Well, with so with Johnny Cage, I've ne- I didn't know much about Johnny Cage until I watched the '95 movie today. Yeah, that's a good. There's, I, I think there's a couple of different ways you could he... go with this. You could cast somebody younger, uh, like Mr. Montgomery. Uh, another way you could kind of go about doing it is that you get the young guy, or you get the older person, not old, old, but like kind of older person maybe late 30s who's like kind of past who might be they might think are past their prime and they're kind of like oh, doing yeah, the thing with johnny no longer do the stunts on st- yeah yeah like i remember the 95 like in the 95 movie johnny cage like he's obsessed with the tabloid articles like he doesn't he's a fake he doesn't yeah. do his own shit uh so he's kind of like on a downward spiral um so you could cast somebody maybe their late 30s here and i did see a rumor that they want to cast a big name for Johnny Cage. So I'm going big names. But they don't even have it yet? Okay. They don't have it, but there's some ideas out there. Ryan Reynolds has been brought up. Um, that would be pretty good. That'd be fun. Josh Lawson, who played Kano in the new movie, wants to see James Marsden do it. Oh, I like it. I'll tell you right now, if you're going for a big name, you want somebody who can do action, you want somebody who can do comedy, you want somebody who's endearing to an audience, you want Chris Hemsworth. Oh, that's pretty good. That so, could work. Yeah. Um, I think he's too charming. You want someone a little dickishier. I think he could be a... I, uh, he could do dick, I think. So, okay. Here's a fun fact. Fun fact alert. Yeah. I know. <laughs> play an alert. Please. Play an alert sound. I want, like, an alarm going right now. I'm going to do... I'll yeah. put that in. How about the uh, the Imperial... The Imperial base? What? <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. Uh, no, fun go. fact. Here's a fun fact about the video game Mortal Kombat. All of the, uh models for like the characters were uh they took video of people actually punching like from their side and they transposed it into their computer when they were that's how they animated the fighters in the first mortal Kombat game okay they literally got video of people fighting and like dragged and dropped it i don't really know how it worked but they polygonized it into uh Sega, or however it worked. Was this something kind of like a precursor to motion capture, maybe? It was literally called motion capture. Oh, so this is um, the motion... Okay. This is original motion capture, basically. Wow. Uh, but they did it for, like... They literally just had a video of it. <laughs> so they literally just have guys in the suits doing... Vi- you know, doing... Like, you know, martial artists would come in and do good punches and stuff. Okay. Um, so, uh, anyway, they uh, modeled... 
the outfit Johnny Cage wore after an outfit that Jean-Claude Van Damme wears in a movie. And oh, so okay. his character is based on Jean-Claude Van Damme. They originally tried to get Jean-Claude Van Damme for the movie, oh. uh, but he was too busy doing Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Yeah. Yep. Doing uh, that horrible American, he's trying to do an American accent, but he still sounds like he's uh, yeah. from, what was he's Belgian, I think, yeah. Um, Speaking of French speakers who uh, are also in this movie, um, the mm. guy who plays Raiden. His name is Christopher Lambert. Yes, from uh, Highlander. Yes, uh, he's a French actor. Yeah. Um, yes. But he's definitely the most experienced on uh, the set, pretty much, out of everybody. Yeah. And uh, so cre- director Paul W.S. Anderson credits Christopher Lambert for smoothing over his first job on a big movie. Uh, Lambert never got overwhelmed by the large scale of the production, and his laid-back attitude positively influenced the other less experienced people on set. Oh. Uh, the co-creator of the original video game admitted that Lambert did a great job, despite not being Asian, like the character's depiction of the game. Yeah, that, I was surprised. I was like, I saw him, I was like, wait, who is this guy supposed to I recognized the hat. It was yeah. the hat that was the giveaway for me. I was like, is he that guy? He's so not Asian? Yeah, since Lambert <laughs> was the most expensive actor on set, the production could only afford him for a few weeks of close-ups in an L.A. studio, so a stand-in was used for all the wide shots filmed in Thailand. However... Lambert believed that the movie would be better if it was him all the time, so he came to Thailand for no extra charge, oh. uh, much to the chagrin of his agent and managers. And then he uh-huh. even paid for a rap party afterward. He sounds like a stand-up guy, doesn't he? He's yeah, like a nice dude. And it's Lambert. That makes sense. He's. French, I'm assuming he's French. He's yeah, I always Lambert, thought it was Lamb- Lambert. Could like, be Lambert, but probably not. No, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Christopher Lambert. Uh, love it. No, that's great. That's a great story. Um, I've got one other fun fact. Okay, so the Goro animatronic. I knew that was okay because I thought okay. First of all, before you go into that, I gotta say like. They did a whole lot of CGI in this movie, especially with uh, Rep- Reptile. Reptile was the worst and you've ever seen. It looked like shit. And I mean, it's bad. I had, there were certain shots when I saw, what, what's this guy's name? Hodor? Uh, sorry, Goro. Goro, I know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hodor's Game of Thrones. I know it wasn't Hodor. Uh, <laughs> Gor- Goro. When I saw him, Goro, though, I... I, I thought that it was CGI at first and they like spent all the CGI money on making this guy look good. And then there's like close-ups and it was like, is that, that a puppet? Really good, yeah. That's yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it so it's great. a So this is like the peak of animatronics, you know? The, sure, yeah. Because they pretty much stopped doing other than like a handful of, you know, things here and there. They've stopped doing full-scale animatronics. Right. So uh, this was, uh, there were multiple various animatronics, but uh, it was... a animatronic slash human so his lower limbs and his lower arms are human arms in massive amounts of makeup and and like you know padding and stuff okay uh and so then his upper arms and shoulders and head and face are all animatronic so it's a guy with his head shoved into his chest oh my god um, and so it had to be operated by 13 to 16 people oh, wow. on the scene uh it couldn't get anywhere near water uh, it had like, uh, constantly was breaking down. Uh, oh, no. And, yeah. But it really does look like the best special effect in this movie. The work shows down to the point where I think I saw there was a special credit for the, the, the operators. Of yeah. It, it was Gloria. ridiculous too. So 
the Muslim movie was shot in Thailand, but they couldn't get this thing out of the studio in L.A. Oh. Uh, because it was just like, no, it's going to break if we fly it to Thailand. If we put And then the other crazy part about this, I don't think I put this in my fun facts, but like it was shot on a remote island in Thailand. So they literally had to take canoes across like the ocean to get there, like oh, wow. individual people uh, trips and canoes over and over. So the animatronic never could have made it. Oh, sure. Yeah. It, it looked good. It looked really good. Scorpions yeah. also scorpions. Uh, I got to bring the shitty CGI in this again, but scorpions, uh, like Venus flytrap oh, comes yeah. out of his hand. Very like, obviously superimposed. Oh, it's like, so bad. Yeah. It's a bad one. It's really bad. It's like, and I remember that looking good back in the day. Maybe it did at the time. What was it, 1995? I, I think mean, that did look good at the time. I don't think Reptile ever looked good at the time. Was this peak CGI? No, because you know what CGI movie well, no, came out is... before, like two years before Mortal Kombat? Jurassic Park. Yeah, absolutely. When it had phenomenal animatronics mixed with CGI. Yeah, but the CGI, like, I mean, they do their tricks to make it look even better, but, like, the CGI even by itself still holds up today. Yeah, eh, eh, for the most part. Some of those brontosauruses in the bright daylight, the first couple scenes, don't look as good as you might remember. Yeah. But yeah, man. Uh, Mortal Kombat. It was fun. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing that this Mortal Kombat wins. The 95 one wins. Soundtrack. Oh my god, as soon as every time that theme came on, it was just like, damn, just, I, I, I just Mortal Kombat! <laughs> uh, put the theme in here or something. Uh, I didn't hate the new one. I will say I didn't hate the new one. I did. Uh, it, it wasn't perfect. I went in expecting a dumb fighting movie. I got what I expected. That's all I got, Jordan. That's all I've got as well, Tommy. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to today's episode of Two Guys Watch a Movie. We are available on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Please feel free to rate, review, subscribe. Uh, if you want to give us feedback, like, do it. All right, well, this was a flawless victory, Jordan. <laughs> this was a flawless victory, Tommy. Flawless victory. Thank you, so much, everybody, for joining us today. I'm Jordan Ehrlich. I'm Tommy Quartz. We'll see you guys real soon. Take care. Adios.